This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. This is a true honor for me. I get to talk to a gentleman. I have admired his work not only as a football player with the St. Louis Cardinals, but also in the broadcast booth. Pro Football Hall of Famer Dan Durder. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing just fine, thanks. I was looking at your uh, bio here, and I didn't realize you were from Canton, Ohio. Yeah, I grew up uh, about a mile from the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and uh, uh, if you're from Canton, Ohio, uh, your DNA is... Uh, uh, is mixed with the DNA of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Everyone in Canton is uh, involved in one way or another with the Hall of Fame. It's just uh, I'm a little <laughs> more fortunate than most to uh, actually be a member. I didn't realize that uh, Canton's got two members of the Hall of Fame. You have yourself and also Alan Page. Yeah, Alan Page is, uh, I went to uh, uh, Glenwood High School, uh, Alan went to uh, Canton Central Catholic, and uh, you're right, and the county uh, where uh, we are from, which is Stark County, uh, and Canton is the county headquarters, uh, uh, we've got actually uh, five members of uh, uh, the Hall of Fame. Lenny Dawson is from nearby Alliance, which is just a... Uh, uh, a city that actually touches the city limits of Canton. Uh, Paul Brown is from Maslin, Ohio, which is uh, right next door. Uh, the old fullback for the Cleveland Browns back in the 50s, uh, also uh, from Stark County. So it's, yeah, we're, we're well represented. So how does a guy who was born in Ohio end up in Michigan? I was uh, an okay player in high school, never a... Uh, uh, never uh, a great player. I was one of those guys that uh, probably a little late to uh, to blossom, and uh, I wasn't offered a scholarship by uh, Woody Hayes and, and Ohio State. Uh, uh, I'd like to say that they did because they offered a scholarship to a linebacker on my high school team. So I don't have to uh, make any excuses to anybody uh, in the state of Ohio as to why I was uh, one of those guys that went to Michigan. It was uh, my best offer. And what was it like playing for Bo Schembechler? Well, you know, I was actually recruited um, by Bump Elliott, who was the head coach at the time. And then Bo Schembechler came in uh, my junior and senior year. So uh, I started with one coach, and then I played my final two years for for Bo, and it was the, uh, the best thing that ever happened to me. He's... Uh, uh, he was a huge influence in my life, and uh, I'm honored to have had that opportunity. Was there a big transition going from Coach Elliott to Coach uh, Sean Beckler? Well, about 180 degrees, I would say. Bump was kind of the fatherly figure, just a wonderful man, still alive, and, and, and to this day, just uh, he, he's just a gentleman uh, personified. Uh, Bo came in, and Bo was like a tornado coming right through uh, Ann Arbor. He came in, he wanted to change uh, the culture, and, and boy, he did. And we had guys quitting left and right. Uh, I've never worked that hard in my life as I did uh, for Bill Schembechler those those two years that I played for him. And, but he got results. He, he taught you that you're capable of doing much more than you ever envisioned, uh, that you were capable of... Of, of pushing yourself farther than, than you ever thought possible. And, you know, if you've never been exposed to that kind of motivation, that kind of a teacher, uh, I feel sorry for you because you learn an awful lot about yourself. When you were at Michigan, did you take pride in going against Ohio State trying to beat them? Was that like your goal every year or was every game the same to you? 
Oh no! When you played Ohio State, you were fulfilling uh, your mission in life. Uh, that, there was no other reason to be at Michigan other than to beat Ohio State, and it's the same way uh, in Columbus. When you're a part uh, of a rivalry uh, of that magnitude, you realize that uh, hey, the other games are great. It's nice to play Michigan State. They're the in-state school. Uh, you 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 can throw anybody into that mix you want to from Notre Dame, anywhere you want to go. Uh, the only game that really matters uh, is Ohio State. It would be an interesting question to pose to a Michigan guy. Uh, uh, would you rather be 11-1 and and lose to Ohio State or be 6-5 and but you beat Ohio State? You'd be surprised how many guys would settle for 6-5. and it was everything, and uh, that's uh, that. It's fun to be a part of something like that. And then you go to the St. Louis Cardinals. What was that like? Well, it was a little bit different of a culture. I, I lost more football games my first year in St. Louis than I had lost in high school and college combined. So uh, it was a tougher transition. I, you know, I was thrilled to be in the National Football League, and you don't have a say so where you go. And, you know, some guys get drafted by Dallas, uh, and some guys don't. And and I was just one of the don'ts. Now, it, it, you're, it's funny how your life works out. I've been in St. Louis ever since. It's my home, and and that's just the way you deal with what life gives you. But it's uh, it, it's kind of interesting when you're a professional football player. Your life turns on a phone call by somebody calling you and say you've been drafted by this this team, and it's uh, it's kind of goes around uh, just somebody else's choice. And you had a pretty good backfield there with St. Louis when you went through. You had Jim Hart at quarterback. You had another guy with Chicago ties, Johnny Rowan in the backfield there. So. It was basically, I mean, even though the Cardinals started in Chicago and ended up in St. Louis, it seemed like Chicago still embraced them. Well, when I played for the Cardinals, uh, my paychecks were from the Chicago Cardinals, uh, DBA, the St. Louis Cardinals. We were still an Illinois corporation. Um, uh, my first couple of years in the league, we, we had training camp at Lake Forest. Uh, it was, uh, it, we didn't come to St. Louis until after six weeks of training camp because that's how long it lasted back then. And, and so we were, we were playing football in St. Louis, but in many ways there were a lot of strong uh, Chicago ties. Were you guys uh, practicing at Lake Forest College? Yep, that's where we had training camp my first couple of years in the league. And uh, uh, because uh, the Bidwell brothers owned uh, the team, Billy uh, lived in St. Louis, but Stormy, uh, his older brother, lived in, uh, I believe, Winnetka. And uh, so we always, we, the, the, the club, up in, I think for the first 12 or 13 years of their NFL existence after moving to St. Louis, continued to have training camp uh, at Lake Forest. Ultimately, then the Bears took over uh, the, the, the training facilities uh, at Lake Forest College before they, and the Bears trained there before they all built their own new complex. Did the Bears get the Cardinals in essence evicted from Lake Forest, or did the Cardinals decide to leave Lake Forest? No, the Cardinals decided when the one Bidwell brother bought out the other, when Billy bought out Stormy, uh, he made the decision to uh, no longer go back to uh, Chicago. He he kind of severed the Chicago ties, and uh, uh, we started having training camp actually in uh, uh, in Normal, Bloomington Normal there uh, at Illinois State. And your tight end wasn't too bad with the Cardinals in those days, Jackie Smith. 
No, we had a lot of talent. I lined up next to a Hall of Famer and Jackie Smith. Jimmy Hart was our quarterback. We had uh, Terry Metcalf uh, and Jim Otis uh, in our backfield. Uh, we had uh, Mel Gray, who might have been the fastest man in, in the National Football League at one of our receiver spots. And then we had the great offensive line. Uh, we had the best offensive line in football, and and uh, we were we were a pretty good offensive football team. And you had a guy playing safety who my co-host who came in beer today, L.A. Harris, talked about Larry Wilson. He said he was the only guy he ever saw bring down Jim Brown single-handed. Yeah, Larry, uh, Larry and I were teammates my first two years in the league. And then Larry uh, stayed with the club and became general manager and whatever. I'm, uh, Larry Wilson is a, is a dear friend and has been for a long time. And you're right. He was uh, the first great free safety. Uh, his defensive coach uh, here in St. Louis, uh, who was still there when I first joined the club, a guy by the name of Chuck Drulis, uh, he was the originator, uh, the originator of the uh, safety blitz. That wasn't a staple back then, and he realized that the tough guy in Larry Wilson, and he uh, he bring Larry on a safety blitz, and uh, let me tell you, a lot of quarterbacks were sorry. It was something they weren't used to having that safety come up the middle or off the edge, and a lot of times he had a free run at the quarterback, and it was a little different league back then. Uh, if you had a free run at the quarterback, uh, you hit him anywhere you wanted to, as hard as you wanted to, and just about any time you wanted to. And you had a tough guy in the line next to you, Conrad Dolber. That guy was just intense. He was a lightning rod. Uh, it seemed like I was the guy playing next to a tornado all the time, uh, yelling and screaming and people cursing and, and whatnot. And it was all happening just about 18 inches away from me. Yeah, he was, uh, <laughs> he, he was a piece of work. And Jim Hart must have loved having that offensive line because no one could touch him. Well, we led the league in the least number of sacks, I think, like five years in a row. And, uh, you know, Jimmy enjoyed uh, great protection and, 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 and he delivered. And a lot of that was Jim's, uh, to Jim's credit. He was a, uh, he was a quick decision maker. Uh, he, he had a quick release and he was a rhythm quarterback. So, um, it was, it was nice from an offensive lineman's perspective having a quarterback that you knew wasn't going to, uh, he wasn't going to move a lot and put you in a bad position. I always liked blocking for a guy that I knew where he was going to be. This is what I don't get here in Chicago. We have the offensive line basically that's been getting ripped apart the last couple of years. In our left tackle, Jamarcus Webb, they're, they moved him from right tackle to left tackle. And they're basically saying, well, it's a transition. You move from guard to tackle, you play center. Is there that much of a difference if you're an offensive lineman playing one position versus the other? Well, yeah, there's a huge difference. Uh, there's a different skill set involved. In uh, uh, First of all, the center and the guards are... A lot of times they're interchangeable because uh, they're passing guys off from one to another, and uh, a lot of the times it's if you can play one, you can play the other. Uh, playing tackle is unique because for the most part you're out there all by yourself, and uh, you're dropping and giving more ground uh, than the guards do. So yeah, it's a it's a completely different skill set playing tackle uh, than either center or guard. Why were you able to do it? It seemed like so easily. 
Well, you know, it started at, uh, it started out with me at guard because, uh, my first couple of years in the league is because that's where, uh, the Cardinals had need. Uh, both of their starting tackles had been in place for a number of years and they didn't really need me at, at tackles. So I started at guard and I played left and right guard. And, but then, uh, at the beginning of my third year in the league, they moved me to tackle. And that's where I really played, uh, the, the vast majority of my career. And I only moved to center my last couple of years in the league because after a pretty serious uh, knee injury that I thought ended my career, I, I wasn't capable of playing tackle anymore. I didn't have the movement necessary to play tackle the way I wanted to play it, so I moved into center where I didn't have to move as much. Is there a guy who gave you the hardest time blocking when you were in the league? Well, I, you know, I played against a lot of great players. I, I, you know, I broke in playing against guys like Bob Lilly, and I played against Deacon Jones and Willie Lanier and Buck Buchanan, and you know, a long list of uh, of, of Hall of Famers. Uh, you know, I didn't play them very often, uh, three or four times during my career. But uh, uh, one of my really good buddies that we were teammates together in the college all-star game, Jack Youngblood, was always a uh, always a challenge for me. We were he was a small guy that wanted to run around I would have preferred he tried to run over me but he never obliged me in that request I saw somewhere that he got a sack against you in 75 and then you went two years without giving up another sack well, that would be true, and uh, uh, yeah, I did go two whole seasons without giving up uh, a sack, and you know, it was something I was uh, kind of proud of. I, I, I never did a lot of pass blocking in college. We were predominantly a run offense, and I was always a, uh, a better run blocker than uh, uh, than a pass blocker. Uh, but I learned, uh, I worked hard at it, and I got to the point where I could. Uh, I thought I was pretty good at pass blocking, but I was always a better run blocker than pass blocker. I'll tell you something that a lot of people don't know is you're in the Pro Football Hall of Fame not only as a player but as a broadcaster. That would be an honor. Yeah, it was uh, uh, winning the Pete Rosella Award uh, is always uh, a thrill in anybody in, in my business. Uh, if, if you're fortunate enough to be honored by the Hall, it's a, it's a real treat. And you're right, I'm one of the few people uh, that actually, uh, they're not four of us because uh, uh, who are in there twice. John Madden uh, as a coach. And then there are three now players because Len Dawson this year uh, was honored with the Pete Rosell Award. Prior to that, uh, the only two were myself and Frank Gifford. So now there are four guys who are both in the hall as, uh, as uh, you know, either a player or a coach, and uh, also in the hall with uh, the Rosell Award. And it's, it's John Madden, Frank Gifford, myself, and uh, Lenny Dawson. I went to the Hall of Fame this year for the first time, and I was at that gold jacket dinner. It was truly impressive to see how many former players came back there to attend the ceremonies, and it's like a family unit. This will really be something this fall because this is going to be the 50th uh, anniversary of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and I know they're making a real concerted effort to get uh, every living member of the Hall of Fame back in Canton in August this year for a, uh, a celebration of the 50th year. So uh, this will be a gathering of Hall of Famers coming up in August of 2013 that I think is going to be uh, pretty much uh, unparalleled. Elliot said to ask you, I know you got the restaurant with Jim Hart there in St. Louis. Besides your restaurant, what's your favorite restaurant in St. Louis? Oh, wow. Um, 
probably uh, there's a, a restaurant called Jay Bucks here, which is originally started by Jack Buck, and and uh, that would go there a lot. Annie Guns, another one of my uh, favorites. Uh, of course, Tony's has long been a standard uh, here in St. Louis. Uh, the Bomberito family. So we're we're fortunate. We've got a lot of. Uh, uh, we're not Chicago just because of the sheer size, but we've got a nice restaurant community here in St. Louis. An interesting interview David had with Dan Deerdorf. Please stay tuned on Sports and Torts here on TalkZone.com for an interview with Pro Football Hall of Fame receiver Steve Largent. Mm-hmm. 